Hey gang, welcome again to Freedom Decoded, where Demir and Carrie Bentley, the co-founders of the Lifehack Method, we show people how to get their life organized. In fact, we had our own journey to lifestyle freedom by using productivity. So if you want to learn more about that, check us out at lifehackmethod.com. On this podcast, we have a great opportunity to sort of let our hair down and talk about some specialty topics that we're passionate about and just dive deep on some really cool things that we're thinking about. And today we're going to be talking about the scourge of meetings and emails, the scourge. I I feel really cool about that. It's very title. accurate. Guys, we are going to be diving in today. It's going to be in depth. I am extremely excited about this one. This is so important right now because we, when we say the scourge, I mean, really, we the data is showing that we are undergoing a crisis in meetings and in emails. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what we've been seeing, big studies that have been coming out throughout the pandemic totally. that have just been showing us some pretty scary, hairy stuff. Yeah, it's all sort of bad news. We thought we'd be saving a lot of time through commuting. We thought it would be um, a big time savings and productivity savings during the pandemic and remote work. But it turns out that's all just being gobbled up by additional meetings. That is so insane. I mean, just like let that sink in. If you're listening to this, let that sink in for a minute. Every single second that you saved from commuting you are now spending sitting in a in a, in a, in a Zoom meeting. meeting, no less, which is really tiring for you know for your brain and for your eyes. Um, but what about emails? I mean, even before the pandemic started, there was a great study by McKinsey that showed that people were spending almost thirty percent of their work week emailing. Well, and what's funny is, so many people. I forget the study, so don't quote me here. But people were talking about massive, like 70% of meetings people considered failures right. and some big number, like 64% of emails they considered to be incomplete or just a waste of time. So right. the weird thing is we are spending this gargantuan amount of time in our in email inbox and sitting in meetings, but we s consider the vast majority of that time to be a massive waste. And this isn't Demir and Carrie saying this, this is studies that have been done on this. And we've just gotten all of this time back in our life by being able to work from home, but it's all been gobbled up by meetings. It's a scourge. It's totally an epidemic. I loved how you were actually on ABC the other week talking about over collaboration and how it's killing productivity. By over collaboration, you mean additional emails, additional meetings, additional chats. All this is just us communicating, 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 but not really getting work done. Yeah. And so, um, you know, this is part of what Cal Newport has discussed in his his recent book that he very aptly describes the hyperactive hive mind. And another great thing about that Microsoft study that you referenced is they showed a 13-point drop. We're talking about 13 percentage point drop in work-life balance satisfaction. So, During I mean, the pandemic, we yeah. are undergoing something dramatic. So, a lot of the news coming out of the pandemic has been, look, you can work from wherever, and, and we're recognizing people. I mean, there have been some real silver linings. This is not one of them. Right. This is things are as bad as they've ever been, if not much worse. And I was the people they easily point fingers at like, well, remote work is the problem. Like that's the problem here. It's remote work. That's not the problem. Listen, like at my Lifehack Method, we've had a remote working team for literally since day one. And we have zero meetings. We have zero emails. Nobody is complaining about over communication. Everybody has a high quality of life on our team. So the problem is not remote work. The problem is this over collaboration and the way that teams have been just the, obsessed with communication. There's nothing that pisses me off more than people saying, see, I told you we needed to be in the office because now we've got everybody from home and things are so inefficient that 
we're having 30%, 40% more meetings. See, I told you, how would you respond to that? Well, there's actually also been studies done on that. And even during the pandemic, when everybody's been, you know, depressed about what's going on, the kids are home, it's a mayhem at home. Also, even so, people say that they're happier working from home than they were working in the office. Isn't even that so. crazy? Isn't that crazy? So people want it. This is something that the average worker is very excited about pursuing. So it's really disappointing to see a lot of these big companies making their employees go back to the office. What I do every single time is I say, don't believe me. Don't believe me. We've got so many, I've got a list here. We've got companies that are already moving to zero email, zero meeting cultures, Tesla, Pinterest, Proof, the Soul Publishing, Atos Origin, El Mejor Trato. I mean, we've got, and the list just keeps going on. Now, it's a little bit weird because no company is zero emails, zero meetings, but that's their ambition. That's their North Star, and they've actually made it a long way. You and I run a company that is, we, we have zero emailing internally. We'll talk a little bit about more about how we continue to email externally. And we've got one meeting per week that we that we actually eliminated, but we brought back because people instead of being fatigued by meetings, they missed the fact that we had zero meetings. And then they said to us, Demir, we don't feel connected to you guys. We don't feel connected to the mission. Can we bring back at least one meeting? So we've taken it so far that we actually got rid of all the meetings and, and by popular demand, I mean, just think about the <laughs> insanity of that. By popular demand, we brought one meeting back per week. I mean, it's just bonkers. So the way I respond to this is it's already happening. Right. People are already, you know, and a lot of major companies are aware that this is a problem and aware of the solutions that are going to solve this problem. But I would say still the vast majority of people, like, I mean, 99% of people think that this problem is completely unsolvable. That's the problem. That's this the, is the problem. problem. People do not believe that they think that emails and meetings are just a feature of the modern workplace. We just got to live with. I had a client who was taking the boot camp. She had seven hours of meetings a day on average. No joke. She would do an entire like eight hour workday where she could only really get one hour to herself, seven hours sitting in meetings. She had so many meetings that she was doing her work in meetings. She'd be like, this isn't my section of the meeting. So I'm going to answer some emails or do some projects. I mean, just absurdity. And I said, well, let me, let me help you chop that in half. And she's, well, well, that's not possible. And I was like, well, what do you mean? It's not possible. Well, it's just not possible. And so there's like a, there's a part of this problem that is actually mindset coming from our inability to even conceive. It's most of, of the, the problem. Idea. It's most of the problem. I think hundred percent is most of the problem because we've had so many clients once they break through this, once they start to believe that, yes, this, I could solve this problem for myself, for my company, even just for myself. If you work in a big company, then they solve it. Yeah. It's a completely solvable problem. So the, the problem for me is that like it well, with any problem in life, you can't solve it if you don't believe it's solvable. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I, this is exactly what I told her. I was like, listen, if you go into solving a problem with a certainty that is not solvable, you're only ever gonna make half-assed attempts to solve it. Well, this is not gonna work anyway. So like, okay, I'll do this a little bit because Demir said so, but it's not actually gonna work. Right. And you're gonna bring that attitude where you're hamstringing it from the beginning. I mean, but I just want to acknowledge and be fair to those people because somebody like that is probably listening right now who yeah. is certain that the dysfunction that they experience with email and meeting culture is actually just an immovable, immutable feature of modern work and modern life. And we just have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, so I would say let's let's talk about the problem before the problem, right? The first problem here is you have to actually just start to open your mind and open up your yourself to the possibility that there's a better way. Yes. And I know that's easier said than done, but but you have to have a period of time. Let's try for a month. Let's try for a week and suspend disbelief and just try to imagine a world where this has been solved. Perfect. So assuming that you have done that, then the next problem becomes making sure that you have the right paradigm for communication. I think a lot of people have the wrong paradigm overall for how to communicate inside a team. And what happens is when you bring on a piece of technology, say emails, it just gets layered on to whatever else you're doing. Or say you have emails and then you know your team says, well, we also want you to get on Microsoft Planner. Well, you're like, oh, well, this is just like another thing. Yeah, wait, we're already, we're already managing our work in email. Now you ask me to get in a planner. And I have to do it both. And this actually reveals that sometimes people don't even know what paradigm they're operating in. And in fact, I would say a big reason you and I get paid the big one of the big reasons that you and I even have a job as productivity coaches isn't to teach people the technology because there's tutorials on YouTube for every technology that we might teach you. Our job is to help you actually create a paradigm so that when any new technology comes out, like the 10 apps that are going to come out next year, you can look at it having never seen it before and say, I know exactly where that fits into my paradigm. Or if it doesn't fit, into my paradigm. That is so powerful because without that, you are literally out to sea with no paddles. You are like, should I learn this new technology? It's so stressful too because- It seems like people like it. Every piece of technology has about a bajillion features and you're like, I gotta do all these and I gotta learn it. And people get obsessed with like learning the technology. We're much more obsessed with like, how does this whole workflow work together to create something that just runs automatically. So um, yeah, in terms of this current paradigm that everybody is in. Well, if I may, I think we're in a pivot between paradigms, which is a very perilous time. It is very perilous. Because I don't think most people knew the old paradigm, but they sort of picked up on it just through osmosis. But whenever you transition paradigms, a lot of new tools and technologies came up, come out to service that new paradigm. Then you're trying to stack them with the tools and technologies from the old paradigm. And what happens is a Frankenstein mix. Totally. It's a You've Frankenstein this, right? system. And that's more work overall for the for the person doing the job you're, because you're they're trying apart. to do two different systems, basically or 10 different systems at the same time and doing none of them well, hence the overwhelm, the communication overload, all that. Well, and that you just communicated this sense of injustice. Like I'm e I'm running my life in email and meetings and now you're asking me to get, get over here on screencasting and on Asana. You feel like you're being pulled apart and you sort of are right. because what's being asked of you is to move from the old paradigm to the new one and people just aren't saying that. So there is absolutely no doubt though that the existing predominant paradigm is just completely run by emails and meetings, right? Yes. This is like 90% of what's happening out there. And you have this brilliant way of describing it. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So think in your mind, if you could take email and meetings and put them over here, that's existing paradigm, and take Asana and screencasting, but there'll be more applications and put them over here. We'll talk about worthless apps like Microsoft Teams and, and Slack, <laughs> where you can not put them in either and throw them out, but we'll talk about that later. So in the email and meetings paradigm, that's what I call the hot potato 
paradigm. And the reason I call it the hot potato paradigm is because the paradigm in the old way of managing your workflow was that we had a big team, let's call it like a 10 person team. And every single person, because we do collaborate, make no mistake, we have a information or sort of knowledge work paradigm where Carrie does a little bit of her work, then she passes it to Demir, and Demir does a little bit of his work and passes it to Tracy, who passes it to Harley, who passes it to Aiden. And it's, and every time it gets passed, it's like a hot potato where it's like, I'm done here. Now it's yours. You're done here. Now it's Aiden's. And that's why I call it the hot potato is the work moves between people. Right. Right. Is this making sense so far? Yes. Yep. Totally. And I would say even it goes for any piece of information. It just moves. It moves between people rather than being in some centralized location. It's like, say you're the boss and you have a casual conversation with somebody else about a change you want to see made to an upcoming sales presentation. Well, now that person is like, oh, my gosh. I got to like communicate about this because like other people have to know and like actions have to be taken. So then they've got the potato and they cannot wait to just like, I got to get away from it. I got to get it away. I because send an email. what happens if I, so what if I have a critical piece of information, Carrie, and then later on down the line, I didn't share it properly. Let's say that I didn't give that information to the team. It's your fault. Now it's my, now I was caught holding the hot <gasps> and potato. And you don't want to hold the hot potato. Don't you get hold, burned. You, you will get burned if you hold on. So, so that defaults to what? It defaults to this over-collaboration, over-communication paradigm where my incentive, now that the boss has told, let's use your example, the boss has told me some critical piece of information. My incentive is to email it to as many people as possible. Right. To just blast it to the team, regardless right. of whether you want or need another email yes. in your inbox, you're going to get it because my incentive is to blast it to everybody possible. And this is how we end up getting three, 400 emails every single day in our inbox. You think to yourself, well, it can't possibly be those many things for me to do. There isn't. We've actually done uh, like internal studies and work with clients where we found that the, about 12% of emails that you receive actually have a task for you to do. So you can, and you might say, well, what's the other 88%? That's what it is. It's, it's people throwing the hot, getting rid of the hot potato. Yeah, like you're, if in doubt, CC the person. If in doubt, invite the extra person to the meeting, right? Because you have a lot more to lose by failing to communicate or, a piece or of information. Or if you don't have what you need to get your job done, well, now you've got to go find the potato. You've got to, do uh, you have this, Carrie? Do you right. have this? Hey, where's this? Where's that? I can't find this document, right? right? So it's people either trying to get rid of the potato or get the potato. Now, where we end up here is, and everybody knows this, so just close your eyes, people, if you're listening to this and just savor this feeling. Have you ever opened up your inbox and realized you needed a piece of information and you go back to search your inbox and it's somewhere in a 27 email chain? Right. I mean, it has the potato has been passed me to carry, carry to Demir, Demir to Aiden. And every single time there was new information, new document, maybe a little extra crumb of information was on each and every one. And you need to go back like Columbo and re-piece together this long chain. And you can't trust whether the information in email one is trustworthy because guess what? There was a new email, 27 down. So you are forced to read <laughs> all 27 emails in that 27 email chain. Every single time you want to figure out if you have the best, most correct information. Potato. 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 <laughs> or yes. potato. So the, the downsides of this are incredibly obvious. The first being extremely high communication overhead. So you're going to spend a lot more of your time simply communicating rather than actually getting work done. And do not be fooled, guys. Communication is not work. 
That is not where you're doing your deep work. Yes. That does not happen during emails and meetings. Very rarely. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely rarely. Deep work happens in your brain. Yeah. It happens in you creating work product that did not exist before. I love to say, like, listen, if if you make sausages, if you're in a company making sausages, everybody knows when they buy that sausage that there was a lot of meetings that had to go into the making of that. You had marketing meetings, you had factory meetings. There's a lot of meetings that, but are they going to pay for that? No, they're paying for the sausage, right? Give yes. me my sausage. And I recognize that a little bit extra on the sausage cost is going to be meetings, but I'm not going to pay for it. Right. And so, so many times we, but this is the work. Answering emails, sitting in meetings, that's the work. I've got great news for you or bad, depending on how you receive it. You are not an email answering machine. You are not a meeting sitting, <laughs> sitting in meetings machine. You're supposed to actually be moving something forward and doing real work. And when you have lower communication overhead, the balance moves to more work for for the ratio of communication. But right. there's other problems. What are the other problems? Yes, the other problems are lack of clarity around like the line of um Responsibility. Yes, the lines of responsibility, right? So those get extremely blurred where you're like, well, Tracy told me this piece of information, but Mark told me this other thing. And now I'm not clear about like who I should be believing. So then what do you have to do? Which version of this document you is correct? To, you got to call a meeting. Yeah. You got to call a meeting to <laughs> discuss so this issue because now uh, it's an issue, right? Yeah. And that has to be discussed and figured out. This shouldn't even be this like a discussion. Self, this isn't this have to a self-fulfilling prophecy of like bad communication leads to more communication to fix the bad communication? We actually lose ourselves in not understanding that, hey, the problem in itself is actually coming from communication. But I'll also add one, Carrie. So if that was just a high opportunity for mistakes and miscommunication, there's also just like a like line of responsibility and authority. Like who is currently running the ball down the field or where – like who has the potato right now? Sometimes in yes, a big it's enough the who team, has the potato, yeah. it's like, wait, I thought I sent it over. Wait, isn't Carrie? No, I sent, I'm sure that I sent the information to Carrie and she's running the ball on this. And Carrie's like, no, I've been waiting for right. the information. And you can get to a place where you haven't moved an important project forward for weeks because it's just so unclear. It's so unclear. Where we're at and who has the potato right now. And it's, it, there's also a huge problem with lack of clarity as to priorities, those can get extremely blurred in situations like this because yeah. um, it can be very hard. You're, as, a, as a knowledge worker, you feel very much like all of your work is incredibly important and you simply have to find a way to get it all done, no matter the cost. Whereas in reality, everybody knows, your manager knows that you have got to prioritize. And it is, guess what? Their job to help you prioritize that work. Yeah. It is not your responsibility to simply do everything that is on your plate. It is part of your job is to like do the most important things that get real results. Yeah. Because you know you can't possibly do everything. And I can't tell you how many of my clients say, actually, I come into work in the beginning of the day pretty clear on what I'm supposed to do. But then I open that inbox and there's 400 emails in there. And by the time I am done just scanning through those emails, I feel lost. Meaning the over communication has robbed that person of the clarity that they had even an hour before that. And wow. everybody knows that feeling. It's almost like getting pulled out to sea. You felt like you were standing on solid ground and then you are swimming for your life, 
right? And then and then finally, you yeah. know, and this is important, it, it incentivizes some really bad really, communication really bad. behavior. Because think about it. The person who's going to look like they're on top of their work, that they're being productive, is guess what? The person who's communicating the most. Yeah. So you're going to- In this paradigm, I want to be clear. In this paradigm, in the current meetings email paradigm, they're the ones that are, you know, attending the email, the meetings. They're speaking up a lot in meetings. They're sending a bunch of emails. They're always responding quickly. That, that Carrie, I don't know, but she's in every single meeting. I see her there front and center. And when I open my inbox in the morning, there's 50 emails from Carrie. Well, Carrie must be what? A hard, great worker. Yeah. Working hard, producing results. By contrast, you know, that Aiden over there, I never see Aiden in meetings. I never. Now, Aiden might be crushing it moving the ball forward, making the sausage and giving it to the clients. But because they are not over communicating, they are dinged. They are penalized in the eyes of their manager because in this paradigm where we are passing the hot potato, the more you can touch and pass and move the hot potato, the more you're seen, the more you are perceived to be doing work. This is like, it's com people think we're like joking, but they've had real experience. I mean, I've even had real experiences with this. Like in one of my first jobs out of school, I remember distinctly being up at 1130 still working, 1130 at night. And my manager was up too. And all my coworkers were all emailing. My manager sends an email. He was like, this is so great. I'm so glad to see everybody up that at this time we're all emailing together. Literally send an email. Like, and of course the HR person is like, don't say don't that. Don't say But every manager is like, yes, we're all like We're working. so dedicated. They love me. They really love me. No one no, loves you. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, there's other things like it leads to really warped behavior. Have you ever had somebody in your team who hoarded information? Oh yeah. Because it made them powerful. And they're, yeah, they're powerful. I had a boss source. once who was like, don't like People would ask me for information they needed for their job and they were like, don't give it to them. They need to come to me and ask for it. It's like, so they were preserving and, and, and sort of influence, trying to exert influence by, by grabbing the potato, but then not sharing it. And oh, like, I, I had one, uh, one lady I used to work with who in order to get anything from her, you had to, um, actually call her. So like she, she literally wouldn't give it to you in like a meeting or in an email. Like you had to like actually like go up to her desk and like chat her up for it. Yeah. Or you had to like make a special phone call. And it was so just bizarre. Weird. It was really weird. Yeah. So hoarding information, over communicating, email ping pong. Have you ever, you, you were telling me something as we were prepping for this, where somebody sent you the first part of their question. They say, do you have this document? Okay. Email back. Yes. And they give you the second part of the question. Can I get it? Yes. Here it is. Or like, or oh no, but I need it to be modified in this one way. It's right. like, could you have just told me everything you needed? At once. Where it's like we or for you know for example and here in Colombia this happens a lot because it's just a polite way that they do business a lot of times where they're like they ask for the first piece of information like please fill this out and they're like great anything else you need to do they're like nope just that then you set, fill it out and give it back they're like okay now do this and you're like uh, how many more steps are there right. this is the last this one is, no the there's one. sixty more steps I promise you there's sixty more but steps. yeah so email ping pong can feel like that where it's just like can this all be consolidated nicely so that I can do this once and never have to do it again. <laughs> okay, so we have just talked, I'm just gonna try to orient people in this conversation. We talked about how bad communication overhead has gotten and over collaboration. We talked about how you need to open yourself up to like a new way of thinking, the possibility that this could be solved. And we're trying to start to draw, this is the first half of us drawing out paradigms. So the existing paradigm is what we just talked about. It is really dominated by email and meetings. There's other tools in there, but the ex Slack, for example, the existing paradigm is the pass the potato, pass the hot potato paradigm, yeah. right? And, and it really dominated by Slack, email, and meetings. Yep. 
So what would the new paradigm look like? So the new paradigm would be what we call the planted potato. So this is where the potato is in the center. Everybody has to come to the potato to get the information that they require and they can self-service in getting that information. And so think about a potato in the ground planted nicely with branches coming up and roots going down so that the potato stays in one place but lots of things are plugging into it, right? Roots, branches, the whole thing, right? And so that's the reason, there, there's a reason we couldn't move to this paradigm earlier and it's right. because we really didn't have a tool like Asana. Right, like now, a task management Now notice I say like path. Asana. Asana is just a task and project management tool um, that's collaborative, meaning instead of it just being your to-do list on, it's everybody's to-do list plugged in together where I can create a task, assign it to you. You can create a task, assign it to me. You can comment on your task. I can see it, right? And this is what I call collaborative, meaning the task, Carrie creates one task for one thing or project that has to happen. And it, it gets planted in the ground, exists there. And then everybody and everything plugs into that task. Right. So people think that we're like anti-collaboration, like, oh, Demir and Carrie don't want you to collaborate. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is we want you to collaborate in the right way. And the way that you collaborate makes all the difference. So when the potato is planted in a task management tool such as Asana or ClickUp or Microsoft Planner or Trello, any of these things will work, then you're going to get the kind of collaboration that actually works um, in the way that you always thought meetings and emails should be working. So for example, you know, and this is this is why it's so, so important is we had a project recently where we were, we've been doing a lot of like PR and stuff like that. And so we had an internal um, document that we had to create for PR. And so what we did was we went ahead and created a project and we had a kickoff meeting. Now this is actually a good use for a meeting where we brainstorm, meaning we were collaboratively coming up with ideas. We put the recording of that meeting inside of the project, all of the documentation, all of the drawings, all of, went inside of that Asana project, all of the tasks associated with that sort of blossomed out of that and then got assigned to individual people. And what happens like most collaborative work is then those tasks got sort of traded, meaning right. they started with Aiden, but then moved to Demir and then moved to Carrie. And the one that Carrie started with moved to Demir and then Aiden and then Brent. I mean, it's just, it starts to get traded up, but as we're trading, the task doesn't go anywhere. Right. It's all in Asana. We, the, uh, the ownership of the task traded between me and you, but it stayed in the same and place. You wanted to see the status of that task. You wouldn't have to go to me or Aiden to ask nope. about that. You would literally just look. It's yeah. there and in fact, you see it. A very common thing when a teams are transitioning to Asana is somebody will ask for an update and people will just quizzically look at them and say, why are you asking me for this update? update? Yeah. Just go directly to the Asana task. You can see what the status is. So another crucial technology that we need for this new planted potato paradigm is called screencasting. And this is, again, a technology that didn't exist even like 10 years ago. So screencasting is a recording of your screen with a voiceover of your own voice talking over it. So I'm going to explain more about this a little bit later in this podcast, um, but it has become this uber medium of communication and it's fantastic for replacing meetings. Yes, because what are meetings if not us asking everybody again it's let's get together and let's pass the potato quickly. That's really what a meeting is. It's really saying like, Super okay, fast. instead of passing the potato and waiting for your email to come back to me, let's all get in and just like throw it around really quick, <laughs> right? Um, so, so taken together, these two things really create an environment of 
super low communication overhead, which just means a minimum ratio of communication actually getting things done. Um, super clear lines of responsibility, meaning yep. it is built into the software that at every single moment you know who is assigned a task. Assigned a task. Right. That means that like, say for example, somebody asked me a question. What I asked them to do is like, hey, put that in my asana. That is extremely clear to both that person and me that it's now on my plate yeah. to answer said question. And it's even clear like what time they asked that question. So if I go like a couple of days without answering it, it's sort of like everybody knows that I'm like behind on answering that yeah. question. So all these elements are just automatically built in without anybody having to be like, you know, tut, 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 carry. Or like, figuring I'm out. There's no figuring out. It's There's, just, it is known. It is known. It is right there. You can go remembered. to, you can go to it. There's also a really low chance of communication errors and mistakes because often, you know, one of the things that you get a lot with emails is I sent you the email, but if I didn't CC the whole team, well, then they don't know. With, with Asana, what's so great is I can tag you, but anybody from the team can opt in or they can opt out. And what's great about opt in and opt out means if you added me to a task and I don't want to be on it, I can take myself on off of it. Yeah, which you do a lot. Which which in email, can I, without seeming rude, take myself off of all future communications? No. no. The second you CC me in, anybody, any day can CC me and I have to get that email. Right, right. Um, another great thing is it provides, they provide a lot of clarity when taken together. So um, for example, in Asana, there's a way even at an organizational level to set your organization's KPIs or your top goal for the year. And you can ladder down every single project, every single task within each project to every single team member so that everybody knows at all times what how what they're doing is contributing to the overall KPI. So if they're assigned a task or asked to do something, that is obviously not related to those KPIs, they don't have to ask themselves, wait, did those KPIs change? Yeah. Am I missing something here? Yes, yes. They can just check and look and see like, oh wait, this doesn't seem that high priority. And that can be a great conversation to have with their managers. Like, well, you know, here's everything I have on my plate. You can, you can see my Asana list right here. This doesn't seem like it should make it onto my priority list this week because just clear, I mean, just like clarity in the context of like clarity on where the project is, clarity on who has the potato right now, clarity on how does this potato prioritize relative to other tasks and projects. It also, I think when you pull it all together, it, it actually, instead of incentivizing all the wrong kinds of communication, it incentivizes all the right kind, like information transparency, right? Transparency, sorry, like information transparency where anybody in the org can go find out what they need and know that it's the right version and know that it's the accurate version. Um, you know, minimum communication to action ratio, right? No email ping pong. You just start to see that with the right workflow, it promotes the right kind of behavior rather than the wrong flow promoting the wrong Kind right. of behavior. And it also makes it much more easy for managers to see what work is happening and what work is not happening. So that's what's crucial to me as a manager is I go into my Asana, I see all these green check marks in my Asana inbox, people getting work done. I don't need to take any action on it. It's just an FYI for me that like task done, task done, task done, task done. And so I immediately know like who are the high performers on my team. I don't need to meet with them. I don't need to talk with them to, to know that. I just know. Well, it, like you said, I'll just go back for a second. We we're talking about how do we know if Carrie's a good worker? Well, she's always in meetings and she's always emailing. Therefore, ergo, she must be a great worker. In Asana, what you literally get a notification stream as, as a boss is who is completing tasks or who is 
behind yeah. on a task. Who's got those and red so deadlines? What you see as a manager is 100% correlated to making sausage and delivering sausage to the end user, who are my best employees who are driving the ball forward and actually getting the valuable work to the end user. Okay, so let me just recap because I just am, I'm going to hammer people with this analogy. Email, Slack, and meetings represent a pass the potato paradigm. Asana screencasting and other forthcoming tools that you'll probably be seeing a lot in the next five years are really about plant the potato, let everything and everyone come to that one singular potato to get all of these benefits that we just talked about. So generally speaking, let's talk about Asana, then, then screencasting. We'll keep it light because, gang, we are going to have a training inside of Lifehack Tribe. So if you're part of Lifehack Tribe, we're going to do an in-depth, deep dive on this whole thing. So we're going to keep it super high level. But let's talk about Asana. Okay, so think about Asana as replacing emails. So any email that you're currently sending to any one of your colleagues could be better communicated inside of Asana and eliminating that email completely. So like we said before, Asana is a task management program. So substitute Asana with your favorite task manager. That could be ClickUp, that could be Trello, Microsoft Planner. It doesn't really matter all that much. What matters is the way that you're using it and using it to plant the potato, right? Yes. And store all the information. And once again, we it's don't want to be- the garden box where you plant the potato. And you got to tend that garden, right? So you don't want to be all, trying to use Asana, but simultaneously using email. And that's the real crucial part about this that I think people get wrong. They're like, well, I, again, like I, I already use Microsoft Planner in my team, but I don't see my emails going away. Yes. This because is, there's a tension between you're just, oh, look, just, oh, this is so good. I just want to pause here. There is a natural tension between email and Asana because they both want to be dominant, right? If, if you're email dominant, Asana is always just going to feel like one more thing. Like, why am I doing this if I'm already doing it in email? But if you're Asana dominant, you're going to, you're going to think, do not send it to me in email because I, I'm not playing pass the potato anymore. I'm playing plant the potato. Right. So when you send me stuff through email, you are, you're outside of that system and, and you're breaking my flow in Asana. So not to say that somebody couldn't use email and Asana together. In fact, we're going to talk about how you bridge that gap. Yeah, yeah. But to say, isn't there a natural tension between the there two? There is natural tension. So, so think about when you are using a, a task management service, you have to, by planting the potato, you have to bring all relevant information into that service. So any files, any documents, any communication, any team members, any meeting recordings, any notes, all of it needs to go into that platform. And you need to become the person who makes sure that if people try to get off course with it, they try to go talk about something in a meeting. They try to ask you on Slack something. You need to redirect them to that service. Yeah, you just said it. Like, let's just say what I call a hallway meeting, right? Yeah. So there's a meeting that happens between me and you in a hallway. It wasn't recorded. No notes taken. That uh, You and I are the only people who possess the information that happened in that meeting. That breaks the plant the potato paradigm because now... That is you're inaccessible to, up, to anybody to else. Uproot the potato, people. That's not how we. <laughs> you're uprooting the potato. I yeah, love so, it. Well, I mean, people will tell you. Anyone from my team will tell you that I utter the phrase. Can you put that in my Asana, please? Yes. About twenty times a week, because it's natural for someone to think, "Oh, something's urgent," or "I got to ask her about this." I'm just like, please put that in my Asana. Yeah. Because yeah. that is where they are, and they know they're going to get the best response from me. Yeah. Someone might email me something instead of responding. Instead of responding to it in email, what I'll say is, 
um, I will respond to an email. I'll say, hey, I've already answered this in Asana here. And I'll link yes. to the relevant place in Asana. Yes. Now, we've had so many clients use this effectively when a lot of their team members like are trying to use both systems, right? Yeah. Like they've been told by their manager they have to use Microsoft Planner or something like that. And most people just kind of aren't really using it, right? They're yeah. not using it well. So if you decide, hey, I do want to do this, I want to personally cut down on my emails, you can still make this happen for yourself because you will start training the rest of your team members that in order to communicate with you, it's got to happen in that service. So Asana, this isn't perfect, so don't don't overthink this, but Asana really is in competition with email in this new paradigm. And think about the more you water email, the, the less water that Asana gets. The more you water Asana, the less water the email gets. So when we're tra transitioning clients and teams from email to Asana, we're, I'm just thinking, okay, you've got a fixed amount of water. Try to put as much over here into Asana as possible. What will naturally happen is that you're denying email that water. And that yes. email invasive vine yes, species that's taking everything over species, will people. start to wither and shrink down right. to a, it will never go away, but it'll go down to a much more, a smaller version of itself. So right. email, Asana. Okay. Let's talk about screencasting and meetings. Screencasting really is in competition with meetings, isn't it? Totally. Because meeting scratches that itch of like, I have something really complex and nuanced to discuss with somebody or to decide as a group with some other people. I need to schedule a meeting so that I can figure out all those things and get everybody on the same page, yeah, right? Yeah. And an email doesn't really quite scratch that itch because you don't really know if anybody read it. You know, like, are you going to have to keep badgering them about their follow-ups? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Meeting seems safer, right? But screencasting can really reduce meeting, to, first of all, improve clarity of information yep. transfer. Um, and But best of all, really, it can reduce that meeting time by like 15x. That's the number least. we've seen, 15x. In fact, we have a great story, right? So I, I had a client who... I was trying to get her into screencasting. And she was like, no, because she was one of those managers, Carrie, that thought of her job as a meeting attender and an email answerer. So often in this old paradigm of, of pass the potato, you can start very quickly to think that my job is to grab the potato and pass it. That's my job. I'm just here to attend meetings and answer questions. I'm just here to get emails and send answers, right? Rather than, no, you're a manager, you're here to train your people to do their job better. You're here to look at the big outcomes. You're here to chart a new course towards like better, more efficient way to do things. No, you lose sight of all of that and you just become an email answering machine, a meeting attending machine. And the reason I, I emphasize that is because this client who I'm about to tell you about became that person. She got lost in like, I'm just, I'm an answerer. Yeah. I was trying to get her into screencasting and she finally came back to me and the light bulb went on. She said, Demir, Somebody today made a meeting request for 30 minutes and they said, can I have 30 minutes of your time to go through this document? You and I have both been gotten these kinds of requests, oh, yeah, right? right? Can yeah. I just have 30 minutes to go through this document? Yeah. She said, she didn't, now this is interesting. She did not say no and she did not say yes. She said, okay, why don't you do this? Send me a screencast of you walking through the document. I'll take a look at it and I'll figure out when we should meet, how soon we should meet, how long we need to meet, right? So it was almost like, and we'll talk about this speed bumping her. She she put a speed bump in front of scheduling the meeting. Send me the screencast first. Guess how long that screencast was, knowing that she requested 30 minutes. So her initial budget was, I need 30 minutes of your time on Zoom. How long do you think that took? Two minutes, right? Two minutes down from 
30 minutes. So that's like a 15X return. So, wow. <laughs> that's like a 15X return. So that to me says everything you need to know about screencasting. It really is just a higher bandwidth way of passing information. Yes, totally. So people often make the joke that like, oh, that meeting could have been an email. And what we would say is, no, that meeting could have legitimately been a screencast. I literally try for every single one of my meeting requests that comes at me, I figure out a way that I can make it a screencast instead, or maybe a short series of screencasts. And I mean, because you can get tone, you can see the visual yeah. on someone's yep. screen, yep. Um, and you can also replay it. So instead of information being immediately forgotten after you come out of the meeting, you've got a short screencast that you can easily rewatch as many times as needed. This is so important. Okay, so let's let's wrap up because you know we were saying that Asana and screencasting epitomize this new sort of paradigm. If you live in a communication paradigm where you're in trouble if if everybody didn't get the right kind of information, you're going to CC and BCC way too many people on emails. Why? Because it's like I'm covering my rear end, right? right? You're going to invite way too many people to a meeting. Why? Because it's better to have everybody in the meeting than have too, too few. But here's the thing. When anybody can drop into a sauna and update themselves on what happened in the last week in a project, you don't have to CC everybody because they can just go straight to the potato. Yes. When, when you and I have a meeting and we have a great Zoom meeting and realize, you know what? Aiden should have been in this meeting. We can actually take the recording of the meeting and forward it to Aiden and say, Aiden, we realized after the fact that you should have been in that meeting. Can you scan the recording of this meeting and come up to date? Or even better, like, hey, I'll just send you a quick screencast to about, summarize about what, what we, we talked discussed. about and why we needed you. And then Aiden can actually realize, you know what? In addition to me, I think Harley needs to be in this. He could forward the screencast, right? right. So you've got this archivable, shareable thing. And what it all adds up to one thing is that you you don't have to communicate as much to actually get the same effect. It's just lower communication over All that time that you save can be spent driving the real ball forward, doing your real work. So Carrie, does this mean that email and meetings are just gonna go away? Can I just get rid of them next week and they'll go away completely and they'll never exist in the future? Yeah, I think emails and meetings will really, like 99% of them are gonna go away, but only if you really want them to. Yeah, so for example, Email is a great example. Right now, the bulk of your emails are what I call internal communications, right? We're passing the hot potato. So email is really being used as a project management tool right now. Like, let's be honest, 80%, 90% of your email is passing the hot potato. What's going to happen in the future is that 80, 90% is going to go over to Asana and get done in so much more of an effective way. So what's that 10% that's going to be left over? Remember, I talked about our PR company pr that we're working with. Well, could we make an Asana task, plant the potato and work with them in, in, in Asana? Yes, but since they're not part of our team, we don't, we, we can't pressure them to do that. We just continue to work that project, our PR work through email. And so often when you're meeting new clients, communicating with people external to your organization, that's going to be the remaining use case for email. Right. And meetings will really move from being about information transfer to only happening when you truly need to do something collaborative, Yes, like a brainstorming session where you're genuinely like, hey, it's going to be a lot more effective if we all do this together rather than all sending in screencasts with our ideas. So final thoughts here, and let's wrap this up because this was a long one, but a goodie. Um, I think that people are getting confused about how does email work with Slack, which works with meetings, but then how do my meetings work with screencasting and Asana? It all just feels like so much. And it's like, yes, if you didn't have a paradigm to divide them into, I could see that that would be super confusing. But now I really want you to think about email, Slack, and meetings 
live or 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 video conference meetings as being representing the past the potato paradigm. And we are now moving into the plant the potato paradigm. And so you really have to start thinking about Asana, screencasting, and some of these new tools as representing the plant the potato paradigm. And it helps you understand that we are now going to move paradigms. Yep. And so a year from now, I would like you to see 90% of the communication happening via screencast, 90% of your collaboration and your information transfer happening via sauna. And frankly, I would like to see Slack just go away and get valued yes, at zero, but that's a completely different paradigm. Yeah. So once you see these two paradigms, you can never unsee them. That's our hope for you. Um, and that, you know, hopefully that will give you something to think about as you think about like, hey, what is the future of work? Where should I be pushing the envelope in my organization? Hopefully you choose this. Awesome. Awesome. What a great topic. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you're in Lifehack Tribe, we're going to do a deep dive on this same topic. So come join us this month to do a deep dive on screencasting and email and communications and this whole paradigm. We're going to dive really deep in this. If you're not in Tribe, check it out at lifehackmethod.com. It might be for you. And for everybody out there, even if you're not in Lifehack Tribe, I really want you to be thinking about these two paradigms and just keep an eye out because I think what you're going to notice is that we are moving to that second paradigm. All right, gang. See you soon. Mm -hmm.